Thanks for listening to Drawn Here with Fred and Kara. We are officially in Advent of this year. We are preparing and waiting for Jesus Christ. But uh, during Christmas time, it's very commonly understood, whether it's on St. Nick's Feast Day, whether it's Christmas morning, Christmas Eve, that Christmas is also pertaining to gifts. The greatest gift, of course, being uh, the birth of our Lord, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. But we kind of wanted to do a topic that was related to that in a way, because we wanted to talk about gifts, supernatural charisms, or our gifts, the New Testament gifts. And so we're really excited about this topic because I think it's something that we were introduced to Fred for many, many, many years before myself, but I was introduced to it, I don't know, probably eight years ago. And ever since then have just tried to actively discern and learn more and more. And I got really, really excited when I first started learning about it. And so it's something that we really like talking and we lead retreats on this and everything. So we thought we would Hop on and have a whole episode, maybe a series. Yeah, we'll see where the we'll Holy Spirit happens. takes us in this process. Um, Kara, as you're talking about Christmas, my first thought is, what are you getting me for Christmas? My second thought was... <laughs> me or like all of our listeners? <laughs> no, you. But anyways... Do I have to get you something? <laughs> um, my second thought was, it's been fun to... like. You mentioned learning about the charisms and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and like that was the very first thing like... Ever. Kara, you got to go do this. Like, yeah. Like, literally, that's like... When we first met, Fred was like, hey, I signed you up for this, like, thing you, you have you gotta to go, go do. You got to go do and... this. And and then it's been a really fun adventure over the years of our friendship. I feel like this charism discernment thing, discerning the gifts of the gather, together has been a big part of our friendship in a lot yeah. of ways. And it's been fun because we, like, I feel like we interview each other. All the time. All the time, uh, in a sense. By interview, I mean, like, ask questions about... Yeah you know, the gifts themselves and how we feel in this moment. Well, we always say you can't discern in a vacuum. So like if you don't have somebody to kind of gauge where Mm. where your charisms are at or where the fruit is at, it's a little less helpful. Yeah, and it's nice to be able to give each other direct feedback. Sometimes Um, I feel like I like, discount your feedback because i'm oh, like you do yeah, yeah because i'm yeah. like oh maybe that's just a charism for you like for our friendship right or something, yeah but. yeah you definitely like sometimes you poo poo me so if we're yeah, out I'm and sorry. about like when uh someone will be like oh kara this kara that i'm like go tell her like don't <laughs> tell me please because she doesn't believe me like you go tell her and, i'm working uh, on it i'm working yeah, on it god yeah. is he does things so, for sure but what does all that mean? We're using words like feedback and interview and, yeah. and all that. So th- a lot of the topics there that well, things we just referenced are kind of what we're going to talk about in this yeah. either episode on the gifts of the Holy Spirit or, or series. series. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I feel like before we really get, get into charisms, though, um, and even what they are, like we can't even get into the discernment process until we talk about what they are. Um, I think it's probably important to talk about kind of what people's reaction initially can mm-hmm. can be when you start talking about supernatural gifts because i think there's both a reaction when you talk about things that are charismatic depending on who you're talking to right but also when you're talking especially about, these days yeah but also especially when you start talking about the ways that you are gifted because what i see is that a lot of people have already grown discouraged in themselves or what mm-hmm. they have to give thinking like what well, i don't have anything to give to the church i don't know how i'm supposed to serve god and and what do i have to share with people about the faith things like that and so when you start talking about gifts there's already almost this wall that well i don't have any mm-hmm. um which i think can be really 
a shame for your own interior life, your own personal growth, because you absolutely have gifts. Right. 100%. If you are baptized, raise your hand. Guess what? You have a gift. Yeah. Um, It's actually in scripture, Mark 16. It says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs. That's where you get this extraordinary uh, fruit of a charism. These signs accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. That's Mark 16. So that comes right after um, Mark's version of the Great Commission. So often when we talk about the Great Commission, we turn to Matthew 28. Mm. But right after the Great Commission in Mark comes, these are going to be your signs for all who believe and are baptized. So I guess my question for anyone who feels discouraged, like I don't have any gifts, is one, are you baptized? Raise your hand if you're baptized. Mm. And then second... Do you believe? Because if we're if if we're having this conversation now with you that you're discouraged that maybe I don't have any gifts, the answer to that would be no. You don't believe in yourself. You don't believe that God has gifted you in this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be present in order for these particular signs of the charism speaking to manifest. So that would be my my challenge is you have been baptized. You have these gifts within you. But in order for them to manifest and there'd be signs you have to believe in the holy spirit mm-hmm. living within you that he does things and that you have a purpose yeah we've we've taken up the the subject of the holy spirit in the past episode come holy spirit we'll link it in the show notes and in that episode we talked about how many of us live our lives like acts 19 too. for yeah. those of you that aren't familiar paul's going about preaching the gospel and he comes to a community of what scripture defines as disciples that means they're they're living the way. They're doing all the things they're supposed to be doing to following Christ. But Paul notices something missing. And he says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And the response is very telling. It is, we haven't heard as so much as there is a Holy Spirit. And when we take a step back and look at how many of us live our faith, we're actually a lot like those disciples. We do the things, we go through the practices, but not in a way where we're aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, in our hearts, and, and the work he's trying to do in and through us, and what it means to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, what it means to have the Spirit of God hovering upon the waters of our heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, leave it to Peter, because Mark is effectively Peter's gospel yeah. account of the gospel. And if we look at Acts 2.39, right after his very spicy um, sermon after Pentecost, he makes it very clear, the promise is for you, the mm-hmm. promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. And I think that's what's so sad, Kara, in our work and what we do. So many times we find people that say, when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what if I discover I don't have any gifts? Oh, it's such a genuine question too. Like their heart just mm-hmm. wants the gifts. Right. Yeah. The reality here is that's impossible. They have them, yeah. And, and this is going to sound really harsh and really strong, and I'm sorry, but it's sometimes I like radical hyperbole for yeah. the purpose of making a point is if it's true you don't have any gifts then God's a liar and this there's none of this is true yeah. like it's i know that sounds extreme but saint peter makes it clear here the promise is for you romans 5 5 the love of god has been poured out into our hearts first corinthians 12 7 to each is given a manifestation of the spirit to each is given a manifestation of the spirit. Yeah. If you go on in that first Corinthians 12, which I know you're going to dive into, yeah. we're going to dive into it's for the common good <laughs> for the common good. Yeah. Uh, and he lists the gifts of the Holy spirit there. It's a promise, a promise that uh, applies to all of us. 
I would say sometimes the reaction too can be, um, just like you said, what if I don't have any gifts? And so they're discouraged within themselves, but then there's also, um, there can also sometimes be this envy or jealousy mm, right. because you see other people who are maybe confident in gifts that they have or they their gifts are manifesting very, very clearly and in a supernatural way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they have a cooler gift than a gift that you... <laughs> what seems cooler. What seems yeah. cooler yeah. Than, what, than a gift that you might think that you have. And I think that actually can diminish the gifts within yourself because it's like you're discounting what God is trying to do in, in your heart, in other people's hearts through you. Um, the book of Esther, for I think it's 4.14, says you were created for such a time as this. And guess what? Sometimes that time, it just needs somebody with the charisma of helps. We right. don't need somebody who has discernment of spirits and healing. We just need someone who has helps or someone right. who has service. Right. Those beautiful, simple charisms. Yeah. And the church teaches, it's in the catechism, it says, whether extraordinary or simple and humble, charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit, which directly or indirectly benefit the church. I love that. Whether extraordinary or simple and humble, and we're all called to be humble. So it's almost like we should desire those simple, humble gifts. And when we are so grateful for those, then God graces us with those extraordinary gifts. Right. You know? Yeah. And I love going back to 1 Corinthians 12. I love the analogy of the body that Paul uses. Like the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Similarly, when you're talking about, as you were talking about being envious of other gifts, I mm-hmm. like I pick in my head, kind of silly, but I, I just picture what if my eye decided one day I want to be a foot? I want to be a toe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I knew you were going to say something like that. I was like, yeah, that's weird. Like it's not going to work well. That's not how it's designed, yeah. and I'm not going to be able to see yeah. if my eye is trying to do the walking for me. If that makes sense, it does. When and I'm going to jump back for a second because when you were saying. You know, so often we act as if there isn't a Holy Spirit, but we need to to encourage that relationship within our own spirituality mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit. And as you're pulling from First Corinthians chapter 12, that is what the Holy Spirit is for the church. In that passage, it's comparing our personal bodies, your your hands, your head, your feet, all mm-hmm. of all of our body is made up of different members. But what makes us human beings is not simply matter. It's not simply our body. It's our soul. It's mm-hmm. the spirit infused into us. Because if you read in the catechism, death is defined as the separation of body and soul. Mm-hmm. So what makes us alive mm-hmm. is the soul within our body. So if the church is the body of Christ, what makes the church come alive? It's the soul. It's the spirit. Holy spirit yeah. And the catechism says that the spirit is like to the church what the soul is to the body. It animates the church. Amen. And so if we want like renewal in our church, if we want our church to come alive, we have to invite the Holy Spirit, not just into the church, but into our lives and into our hearts because we are the members of that body. Amen. I get feisty with that because I feel like, I, I don't know. I don't think the Holy Spirit is talked about very often. He's like the forgotten person of the Trinity, which really breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we get, we get, um, I love your joke about like yeah. he's this guy and she makes the sign of the cross. Fred steals my joke. It is, <laughs> like, it's the right shoulder and the left shoulder. Like he's this guy and she, like the who's first the time she, oh, he's this guy. It's hard to like replicate that on a podcast without video, but I think it's I've hilarious. I've only ever done it once. Yeah, but and, I but felt, like, fell oh, out of my chair where laughing. Where that came from? Yeah. Where that come from? Um, but that that's how we treat him. Like he's yeah. he's. He's just the afterthought. Yeah. But really he is, he's everything that animates Mm -hmm. us and the church. But I think sometimes I'm going to use the collective we, because I don't think, I think there are different camps. And Mm -hmm. so if you're not in this particular camp, then that's perfectly fine. But as a church, 
it's like we're afraid of of the words charismatic or we're afraid of the words traditional because there there becomes these two separate camps that are like pitted against each other but fred and i always we have this saying we always say it's all one boat Mm -hmm. it's all one boat like so often the church is actually pictured um in sacred scripture uh, i think there's a scripture passage that i have to pull from um where the church is like a boat. No, it's a catechism quote, but the church is like the ark, um, mm-hmm. Noah's ark. And some some architecture in churches is actually even built to where the roof looks like the bottom of an ark. Mm-hmm. It's all one boat. And sometimes we get so divisive over the littlest of things that really it's like these things are supposed to bring us together right. more as one body. And I think traditional versus charismatic shouldn't be a versus. It should be I'm I'm both and. It's both and. So right. much of the church is both and. And those spiritualities are a sign of life in the church, yeah. provided they aren't at war against each other. I think for some reason, like I often find myself reflecting on the Garden of Eden here. There's four different rivers that, that that feed the Garden of Eden, and I think in some ways it's kind of like that, like got a Franciscan spirituality, an Ignatian yeah. spirituality, a Benedictine, and I feel like that's so kind of like, we're like just a hodgepodge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's okay. Yeah. Like just want to be Catholic, and so like I think we're both coming at this conversation on the Holy Spirit and gifts, yeah, and and the gifts of the Holy Spirit as people who are just as much comfortable in the Latin mass setting as we are in praise and worship, <laughs> charismatic praise with adoration, yeah. you know, in, in the Steubenville variety sort of a thing, yeah. you know, and, and, and prayer ministry and, yeah. you know, laying hands, whatever laying it hands, might be. Wh- those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Like it's a both and it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we talk about charismatic, I like to, I don't know, I, I, I will try and avoid a soapbox because it, it's a loving soapbox just because mm-hmm. I genuinely want people to just grow in their love of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. truly. But when we talk about charismatic, what it means, the word, the root word, it's not something that, you know, somebody else can claim as like, well, well, we get to teach on the charismatic things and nobody else can. This is all in scripture. St. Paul writes in the New Testament, he writes of grace, but the word he uses for grace is the Greek word charis, which is the root word of charismatic. For anyone who's like a visual person, I get told I'm cerebral. Mm. I'm not cerebral as I'm like diving into- I'm the funny one. (laughs) Fred's the funny one. (laughs) As I'm diving into like the Greek words, maybe I'm cerebral. The Greek word that Paul uses for grace is C-H-A-R-I-S. It's the first part of the word charismatic, charis. But the literal meaning of this word means gratuitous gift. So gratuitous is like, you don't have to do anything for it. Mm -hmm. It is the grace is a gift given to us by God freely. But what is so beautiful is that this gift is a literal person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. We see this in, in scripture in Luke 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's comparing the heavenly father giving gifts to his children, but he specifically says he will give the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. In the gospel of John, it says, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. That's the gratuitous gift. It's the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. So when we talk about things that are charismatic, what does that even mean? Charismatic, this grace, what does it actually mean? Well, here's what it means. In Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues 
as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is what it means to be charismatic. So if you're not familiar, that's the passage for Pentecost. It's the coming down of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to live within us. We receive this in our baptism. We receive it more fully in our confirmation. Our confirmation is our Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we approach it that way or if when we think back to it, if we remember it that way. I certainly don't because I didn't know that's what it was supposed to be in my life. But that is what it means to be charismatic. It's the Holy Spirit animating your life and mm-hmm. animating the church. And so the, it why is that divisive? Right. Why is that divisive? Yeah. Like it's so beautiful. That I think that's the the wild thing about it is despite how you feel because it's not about necessarily so much how you feel in the moment. It's about the objective truth of grace. And that is that pillar of fire, that little pillar of fire is on your head and in your heart just the same as yeah. the apostles. Obviously, it's going to look different in how the Holy Spirit works in and through your own life. But yeah, it's your own personal Pentecost. Yeah. And look at Peter prior to Pentecost. What did he look like, Kara? Oh, he was weak. He denied Jesus. He didn't know and understand his teachings. And Jesus said, you still not understand. Right. You know, he he was not going to make the best first pope at yeah. that point in his yeah. life. And he, he abandoned him on the cross. Yeah. And then... After Pentecost, he goes out, goes down from that upper room, yeah. preaches the gospel with such boldness that the everyone asks, what must we do to be saved? And he says, yeah. repent and be baptized. And then what is it, what happens next? The promise is for you. And he's talking about salvation, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, it's proof that it should change you. When we receive the Holy Spirit, It not only should it, it does, it changes you. Where Peter didn't understand the teachings. Now he's going with complete Mm -hmm. boldness and teaching these teachings where he denied Jesus and said, no, I don't know him. Now he's saying, no, repent and be baptized. Like I'm one Mm -hmm. of his disciples. And it completely changes who Peter is and it changes who we are because we receive not only the, the, the gifts that we talk about and we learn about in confirmation, but we receive these supernatural gifts. So I want to touch on a little bit and Fred can help me out here on the difference between the Old Testament gifts as well as the fruits of the Holy Spirit versus the New Testament gifts. Old Testament gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, we find in Isaiah. It's counsel, wisdom, piety, understanding, knowledge, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. Of course, fear of the Lord, as we know, is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of understanding. But like those are the seven Old Testament gifts that we find in the book of Isaiah. Typically, a lot of us that were preparing for confirmation, we had to memorize memorize those lists, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily like (laughs) memorize them in the sense of knowing what difference they make in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like it's, we're memorizing them so we can be confirmed, Yeah, which is unfortunate. That's really common. Um, I think there's, uh, for many Catholics, I was just talking to someone recently, like they grew up in a, in a, in a Catholic home and they said it felt like it was forced upon them and they never really understand understood what difference it was supposed to make in their lives. And that's what's lacking. And I actually love how the Baltimore Catechism talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how it illustrated it is like, if you imagine, close your eyes if you can for a moment, uh, if unless you're driving. Yeah. Um, if you can imagine you're in a boat at sea and the waves are just kind of, it's a typical day. It's not necessarily stormy. But the boat's just kind of rocking back and forth and going with the waves. And you, and you see seven sails, but they're all folded up. And so it's a good illustration here because the boat is actually your soul. 
and the water is your life. And so you can imagine without the wind of the Holy Spirit allowing those sails to move your soul through life, mm-hmm. what happens is life just takes you wherever it takes you. Yeah, and nothing, you're never going to move forward. You're never really going to move forward. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be kind of just sitting still. But when you have an understanding of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, you unfold those sails. The wind of the Holy Spirit guides you through life, guides your soul through life, and helps you to arrive at the place where you're supposed to be and, mm-hmm. and what, which ultimately heaven, the yeah. life of heaven. But w- those gifts are focused on you interiorly. Yeah, the sail, the seven sails are the gifts of the Holy Spirit from Isaiah. Right, yes. When you unfold the, those, soul, those yep. sails. So the Holy Spirit is moving in your life through those gifts. But that's a good clarification is that those gifts are for you personally mm-hmm. in your in- interior. For your growth. own sanctification. Yeah, and same with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Peace, patience, kindness. Those are things that we grow in interiorly in our virtue. Mm. So the difference between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit is that a a charismatic gift, just like Fred said, was it in 1 Corinthians 12? Mm -hmm. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So when we are given a a supernatural gift or charism, I'm kind of going to use those words interchangeably, it's meant for other people. So when we have this relationship with Jesus and this relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Father, these gifts manifest so much in our life when people are in front of us who need that particular gift. So if I am around, let's say this way, I don't always take Fred's feedback. If I'm around Fred, like maybe he doesn't need a particular charism to manifest in that moment. And so sometimes it might be easy to grow discouraged, like, well, do I have any gifts? But then when that particular different person is placed in front of you, who might need that gift, mm. that's when God uses you in that way because a charisma is meant for another person. It's mm. meant for the common good of the church and to show charity and love in the church. Yeah. In some ways, this is where John fifteen five, abide in me and you will bear much fruit comes in as well. Like yeah. fruit, of course, is the peace, patience, kindness, loveless, love, uh, love, gentleness, and so on. But it's also these gifts of the Holy Spirit manifesting in your life because that that's that's the thing in a certain sense we've we've been given the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and so in a certain sense we have all of the all of the gifts of the holy spirit but at the same time the lord wants to use each one of us in a very unique way to shine forth in a few particular gifts into the lives of others so if you're someone that um, he's given a gift of encouragement to for example people come to you for yeah. encouragement and they leave feeling filled up. And so do you actually. Yeah. You're not brought down by the struggles of others. You find joy in helping them. Yeah. And that's a pattern in your life, for example. We'll get into that more here. Yeah, I'm excited as, that. as we go on. But <laughs> I think we're we're gonna share a little too about like our own discernment process with this. But this isn't this isn't a, a new teaching. This isn't something that, you know, one particular person can claim to know. This is church teaching. Mm-hmm. It's in the catechism. Uh, I'll read it says the Holy Spirit works in many ways to build up the whole body in charity, in love. Like that's the purpose of a charism. It continues, by the many special graces called charisms by which he makes the faithful fit and ready to undertake various tasks and offices for the renewal and building up of the church. So that's the purpose of a charism. It's for the renewal and building up of the church. But I love this this phrase here, um, fit and ready. 
it, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It makes us fit and ready to undertake this task of mission. Like so often we hear about our our mission is to evangelize. Our mission is to go out. But we can't just be like, you got it. Let's go. It's like, no, we have to become fit and ready. And who's mm-hmm. the person who does that? Who does the renewal? It's the Holy Spirit. Just like you would, you know, try and work out more to go run a marathon. You have to become fit and ready mm-hmm. in order to go out and do this this big work of renewing the church, we have to become spiritually ready. Right. And that doesn't just mean, okay, Holy Spirit, come do it. It means letting him move the sails of our heart and growing in relationship and growing in holiness yeah. in order to do this work too. And that's where St. Paul's questions, question to those disciples in Acts 19.2 comes in here. But have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Because we need him to do the work in and through us ultimately. Yeah. Um, Every, a little bit of a review here. Every person has been assigned a gift from God. You were created with a very specific purpose. And it's not, we can we can fall into the trap of thinking like it's some future destination that I have to arrive yeah. to. But ultimately this mission, this purpose you've been given is living, lived out day to day in the mundane, ordinary situations yeah. of life. That's where I like the ordinary humble gifts. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's simply encouraging or comforting your kid. You know, it's right. it's the things that we might not see as, wow, that was extraordinary. Right. But it's a gift that if you are called to be, you know, a stay-at-home mom, the person in front of you is your children. Yeah. And they might need that. Yeah. Our own natural abilities will, will never be enough, and God is accounted for that. So not only does he, he love us before all of creation, he loves the idea of us. So much he makes that idea a reality, but he also creates us with a purpose, but he also sets our lives in motion to accomplish the purpose for which he's created us. But then even more, mm-hmm. he pours out the Holy Spirit in our hearts to empower us, yeah. uh, to give us the, the superpowers, if you will. Superpowers. <laughs> you touched on something actually that I think we should mention, uh, the difference between the natural, just like a natural talent and mm-hmm. a charism, um, because... I remember when when we did a retreat on this, somebody was, they came up and they're like, yeah, but what if I, what if I just really love hosting people in my home? And they were actually kind of angry. What if I really love hosting people in my home? Because they were thinking that they didn't have the supernatural charism of hospitality, but they're like, I just like having people in my house. Why can't I, why can't I just have people in my house? (laughs) I love the tone and the look on your face is even better for this. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure I'm exaggerating, but, but I was like, then have people in your house like you can still <laughs> right. if you have a natural gift for something even if it's not a supernatural gift mm. it's not a charism god has still given you those right. those gifts mm. he has created you with those gifts for a purpose so still mm. use them like right. if you are a beautiful singer but you don't have the gift of music still sing mm. don't go hide that gift away um it's like who hides a lamp under a bushel? It's like right. that scripture passage. So what you're saying is there's a distinction between a natural gift and a supernatural but gift. But both have their place. Voice. Yes, they do. Yes. Yeah. There yeah. is definitely a difference, but both have their place. And so I think that's actually helpful. So we'll get into kind of maybe um, our own discernment process, because this could help shed a little bit of light on maybe the difference between seeing a talent or something that you just might be good at versus right. like mm-hmm. a supernatural God is doing this moment. Mm-hmm. So, Fred, uh, this is like we're going to do like just on on air. We talk about this stuff in the car all the time, oh. just like in an interview of like, <laughs> so what gifts are you think you think you're sure of and what ones are you unsure of at this all point? Right. So our listeners are in the car with They're us now. Car, yeah, so yeah. my question is, who gets shotgun? <laughs> you? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I just had to just like clarify that. Okay. 
<laughs> you can have shotgun. Okay, that works. That means I'm driving, I guess. Okay, yeah, that works. So talk about the discernment process, but what right now, where you're at right now, what charisms do you feel like you are fairly certain and share kind of how you came to that place? Mm-hmm. And then ones that you're maybe like, I could have this, I'm still discerning and here's what I'm looking for in that mm-hmm. discernment. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like maybe hearing that, I think on the personal level of understanding our discernment process maybe could help you begin in your own discernment process. So, I do want to preface everything we talk about with, like, because there's a lot of inventories, a lot of assessments out there and things like that. And and I've seen people where they've they've taken those assessments and they walk away right away with, I have this gift, this gift, and this gift. Yeah. Or some people, I have all 24 of these gifts. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, First of all, Scripture lists many gifts in yeah. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 First Corinthians, Corinthians 12. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas lists 64, 64 gifts mm-hmm. in the New Testament yeah. definition, charismatic definition of the gifts. Uh, I think saying that there's only this many or whatever right. limits the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we can't say that yeah. there's a specific amount. I think there's, the people are gifted by the Holy Spirit and have a gift of the Holy Spirit to do... Any number. Yeah. I don't know what that number is. God is infinite. Yeah. It's probably infinite. Yeah. Uh, I've known people that, lectors, for example, right. like when they read the readings, something happens. I think there's a charism um, of dance. Yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, the, so. There's dance that it inspires. Um, I would agree with you. Definitely. There is a charism for dance. There's probably even a charism for, for humor and being able to make people laugh mm. in a difficult situation. I'm sure there is. Uh, I feel like St. Philip Neri would probably agree with that. Anyone mm. that's willing to shave half of his face just for the laughs, yeah. just to open the door to talk to people, uh, that's a gift. But going back to uh, our discussion, one of the one of the gifts very early on that um, I was trying to discern myself was prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, first, let's define what prophecy right. is. Um, first, let's talk about what it's not. Uh, it's not predicting the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say it tends to be one of those charisms where we think of it as a, it's one people would get envious of, mm. or like it sounds glamorous. Uh, let me tell you, it's not, um, <laughs> because sometimes it's a burden. <laughs> sometimes you have you, prophecy is a, essentially saying what needs to be said yeah. in the moment. Yeah, like the Lord gives you either a, a word, something that you just feel you can't help but share. And I don't mean in a, I'm going to gotcha that person. Yeah. That's the wrong spirit. This is um, something that's going to edify, something that's going to build up. Or heal. Or heal. It may have a corrective dynamic, but always to bring about something healing, something edifying, yeah. something good. It could be words. It could be a picture. It, it could be actions. It could be an action as well. And it can be easily easy to confuse that with, say, a charism of evangelization. What's a charism of evangelization, Kara? Um, well, often when you're discerning charism of evangelization, you look at what is some of the indirect feedback. And when I say indirect feedback, it's like, are people coming up to you in the most strange situations to talk about religious things or the faith? Mm-hmm. And you, in your explanation or in being able to like bring them closer to Christ, uh, a fruit of that would be that they grow in their Christian life or they feel drawn to the church in mm-hmm. some way. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a good explanation. No, but. that's good. That's good. And another charism that's sort of related to that is teaching. Right. Uh, Kara, you're very familiar with the charism of teaching. Well, it's not my turn yet, Brett. <laughs> <Okay>. So So <laughs> then share your discernment process of, okay, if, if you think you're fairly certain with prophecy, how? Like, because we want to get into showing them how to then begin experimenting. Not necessarily prophecy. Yeah. That can kind of be a dangerous one to experiment with if you're not sure you have that one. But what do you pay attention to yeah. in the discernment yep. process? Well, so the reason I mentioned teaching with you is because all three are la- related in the sense that they're okay. charisms rooted in community communication. Yeah. Um, and so obviously you'll talk about I'll teaching, talk about spoiler teaching. alert. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of it is looking at the feedback and Kara, we talk about, uh, you know, that's one thing when you're discerning a charism, you want to look at how you distinguish between a natural ability and a supernatural gift. A lot of it depends on the results, what happens mm-hmm. in the moment, what's the feedback you get and, and how do you feel yourself in utilizing that gift in that moment. And so for me, and this this is a good example of like distinguishing between natural abilities and supernatural gift. I tend to be a very zealous person. I tend to be very passionate. And so I know what the mission of the church is, and I can get very feisty about evangelization needing to be at the center. Yeah. Um, and so for, for a long time, like you and I, pretty confident that's that, your charism. That, the charism yeah and then we started looking at what the feedback was well we started noticing that the number one thing i hear from people um when i speak when i um, talk Just, to them privately yeah. almost always the most common feedback is you said exactly what i needed to hear mm-hmm. well that's that leans more toward prophecy. charism of prophecy and what happens in your in your own spirit and your own uh formation is the more you understand one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Lord has given you, and the more you open yourself up to that, the more confident you are in using it, and the more aware of the Lord wanting to use you in those moments. I would say that's probably one of the key things with beginning your discernment, is sometimes it requires you to step out of your comfort Mm -hmm. zone to use them. And I've seen that even more with you, Fred. Like, uh, He'll lean over... As you're growing more confident in the, your charisms, he'll lean over and be like, I have a word for you. Or, <laughs> or he'll like text be like, I feel like I'm receiving something from the Lord. And then he'll like post it to Facebook. And then, you know, somebody will comment, I needed this or I mm. needed to hear this. Or, right. you know, so if you if you have an avenue or if you know who it's for, if you don't know who it's for, right. remember, it's meant for others. So there has to be a way to get it out to that person. Yeah. And it's a beautiful charism to see at work. I know, um, shout out to Lizzie Tecklenburg. I'll yeah. just... Shout out, say her name, uh, yeah. say her name. but um, I know years ago uh, she worked with us in uh, uh, ministry work we were doing, and she just said, Fred, can I pray for you? And I, Lizzie knew, I knew, like I didn't know Lizzie very well, you did, but she didn't know anything about me, I didn't know anything about her, and I just said yes, and you know, what she felt led to pray for me, it was obvious it was the Lord, like, giving her those words to speak. Well, yeah. that's a gift of prophecy. Yeah. And I needed to hear those words and those words changed my life. Mm-hmm. They changed my life. Yeah. Direct and feedback for Lizzie. <laughs> direct feedback for Lizzie Tecklenburg. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't know if there's anything you want more you want me to say with that, Kara. I think that's definitely been a big part of us discerning that yeah. together. Cause you, again, you can't discern it in a vacuum because the gifts are for others. So you're not going to go, up in your room with just you and the Bible right. and know if you have this gift. Like yeah. it, it's going out into the world, 
doing mission, that's where you discover this. Yeah. And it is very common to have more than more than one gift. And yeah, so there's likely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so there may be some that you're like, well, I, I feel more confident in this one than that. You know, I, I might have this one, but I would need to experiment with it a little bit more, that kind mm. of thing. So, yeah. and when we say experiment, it is exactly what Fred said. It's just getting out of your comfort zone and putting yourself out there in situations where the people are in front of you, where that charism right. may manifest. Yeah. So if you're discerning intercessory prayer asking people in the moment can i pray for you put yourself in that situation and then you'd receive feedback and it's exciting and also humbling what happens in those moments when you just step out of your comfort zone and you say come holy spirit use me as your instrument because carol a lot of times when i when i feel led to share something or say something it's like where did that come from right (laughs) like i didn't know that going there was no plan ahead of time to say what I just said and yet is what they needed to hear and sometimes I don't even remember what I said Mm -hmm. like you know I'm like like, oh that was so good in a talk I need to write that down you're like I don't know what it was (laughs) I don't know what I said (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's pretty funny yeah humbling very humbling yeah for sure yeah what about you Kira um I don't know i i still don't know honestly even with the teaching one fred is mm-hmm. like probably 90 percent sure for the discerning process <laughs> for myself <laughs> like which um, <laughs> typically like another person shouldn't say you do you do, you do. Charism, <laughs> yeah. anyway um the only reason is because um how i prepare when i give talks mm-hmm. it could also lend itself to the charism of writing um which so i'm trying to intentionally share more things that i write um because oftentimes i love writing it's a form of prayer for me which if you're working in your charism it should be a form of prayer for you mm-hmm. it should draw you closer to christ um but i don't always have uh the courage to share what i share um or i don't always receive direct feedback um so i like writing um and i've been told that i'm a good writer but that doesn't ser- doesn't necessarily mean it's more than just um, a natural talent or I went to school and learned English, you know, so I had a good English literature. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that's where kind of the, I need to continue discerning in that and putting more of what I write maybe personally out there. Um, So, Hey, if you want to follow along on some of those things, I'm going to try and put more of like my journal things in our blog. Um, So you can go to drawnier.me and check out our blog, but then you have to give feedback. (laughs) Are we allowed to say we're writing a book? Yeah, we're writing a book. We're not going to tell you what it's about, but <laughs> um, we are in the very, very, very early stages of writing a book. Yes. Like, like we have the chapter titles. <laughs> well, we have a, a short version of it. We do. Yeah. Yeah. That was published. Yes, that's true. Um, but yes, yeah, so teaching, I am fairly confident. I would say like 90%, but again, still discerning maybe if there's a distinction because both writing and teaching are communication charisms. And so I probably would not have both it would be one or the other but um when teaching or when giving talks or whatever there's always teaching elements when i give talks which i absolutely love Mm -hmm. so when people will like give comments that like i'm i am cerebral when i don't know how to take that is because i don't know if that's direct feedback for something or if Mm -hmm. that's just like a comment on that i love teaching on scripture or that i love kind of getting into the the like factual things about the faith Mm -hmm. Um, but I do genuinely enjoy it and I find that my face shows that I enjoy it. Like I will just Mm -hmm. like smile ear to ear when I'm talking about nerdy things Mm -hmm. or, or really, um, really like theological concepts or something. It's almost like there's a a switch somewhere and it gets turned on. Yeah. Cause I've seen you go into a talk like sick and miserable. Right. Your voice is shot and then 
like suddenly everything is perfect and it's it's wild to watch it's mm. it's one of those things where if you're working in a charism you have no explanation other than god had to be present mm. and it had to be god yeah. and so very often i will um i will feel that in in the moment of teaching not necessarily in like the preparation for it but in the moment of teaching um and one of the things with that particular charism is that you can take complex concepts um and you can teach them in a way that is easier to understand or that people can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I even, a lot of times when you're discerning, you'll have to remember other experiences in your life when you might have been using that charism and you'll want to like look at what was, what was happening in other people's lives. What was some of the things that they were shared with you. And so I remember in college, um, there was this one time where uh, we were just, I was just sitting waiting for one of my business classes to start in undergrad. And it, I was just sitting with a couple of my friends and one of them, he was Protestant and then he was dating a Mormon. And then he just goes, what's the deal with purgatory? What do Catholics believe about purgatory? And that can sometimes be an indirect feedback with somebody who has the charisma mm -hmm. teaching is people just in random situations, ask you questions about right. the faith. And so, um, so I, I explained purgatory as best I could, and that's quite a complex concept. And then one of my friends who was standing nearby, who was Catholic and went to Catholic school, he goes, I never heard it explained that way. That makes so much sense. Nice. Um, so that even that being just like taking something that might be difficult mm -hmm. to understand and then hearing feedback that somebody understood it, right. um, could then make me a little more confident that, right. that it's that particular charism, yeah. but Discernment is a lifelong process. As Fred said, a lot of people take assessments and then they walk away thinking I have this charism. But an assessment is really just the beginning, um, the starting point to a discernment mm -hmm. and then experimenting. But it's it's the most freeing thing when you can right. be like, I actually don't think it's that one because right. then you start moving towards the one it could yeah. be. And it, and it becomes so beautiful yeah. to work in that. And it opens the door for so much more. If, yeah. we, if we look at what's the purpose for a charism, ultimately it's to help facilitate an encounter with Christ through the gift working in and through you yeah. in the lives of others. And um, you might hear us talking about these gifts and think, well, I've never had an experience like that. More than likely, you already have. Yeah. You have had these experiences. They just, you might not be that open to them yet, mm -hmm. or... Um, you might be more inclined to just kind of dismiss them as ordinary life. Yeah. And that's what's beautiful about, again, opening that door, allowing the Holy Spirit um, to teach you and guide you and lead you in this process is discovering that one of the most, I think, beautiful things about these gifts is that they can be developed. They can be strengthened. They are long-term. And the more we grow in holiness, holiness, the more we grow in relationship with Christ, the more our confidence, the more our understanding, the more that gift manifests and more God can use us. And so like those gifts only get stronger. So yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing. Not only does God give you this great gift of himself working in and through you, but in greater measure as the more you open yourself up, the more he can use you. It's beautiful. <laughs>